right, open your copies of God's Word again with me. Thank you, Willie, for praying for our service here. To 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6 is mainly where we're going to be looking at. And I want you to ask yourself the question, do you actually believe that Satan is real? This weekend we've been dealing with three things that are true and clear in Scripture, but for whatever reason, I wasn't actually believing them in any way that it actually affected my life. And this is the last one, that Satan is real. Just the other day, I was sitting in my uh, living room. We had some friends over. They used to go to our church. And he was telling a story about a pastor that he knew who one time went into his office and he saw these scratch marks along the pastor's bookshelves. Now, if you know anything about pastors, we're a little bit nerdy about our books. It's kind of just a thing. Uh, We like our books, we like our bookshelves, we like nice bookshelves, we like to read, many of us do. And he said, what in the world are the scratches from? And the pastor just got a serious face and he goes, one time I was counseling a seven-year-old girl. Her parents had asked me if I would talk to him. They said that she was a little bit off. And so the seven-year-old girl came into his office, she was talking to him, and he began talking to her about Jesus Christ, about her relationship with Jesus Christ, And her voice changed to an extremely deep man's voice. She grabbed his 200-pound oak desk, lifted it up with one hand, and pinned him to the wall. And he goes, "I, I keep those scratches to remind me who I'm up against. And the conversation kind of moved on. It was just a good story. The guy was just telling it was a good story. The conversation moved on, but I didn't. It gave me pause, and I had to ask myself, do I actually believe in Satan? Do I really believe that he is the prince and power of the air? Up until recently, I believed that Satan has bigger fish to fry than me. I used to think that all the time. Like, I got enough problem with my own, the lust of my flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan's got bigger fish to fry. And when someone would say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness, I kind of just moved on. It's like, yeah, 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 okay. But I want you to know that Satan right now is very, very busy. And if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, he's actually busy in your life. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, we who are here, the accuser of our brothers and sisters... The one who accuses them before God night and day. Right now, one of the things that Satan loves to do is if you know Christ as your Savior, he loves accusing you all the time before God. Look at that sin. Look at what they just looked at. Look at what they said. Look at how they're behaving all day long. Loves accusing you. So let's look at three key tactics that Satan uses. Key number one, tactic number one, is that Satan blinds unbelievers. So we should pray for open eyes. Second Corinthians Chapter 4, Satan blinds unbelievers, so we should pray for open eyes. And you should pray for open eyes for your friends who don't know Christ as their Savior. And if you're not sure, pray that God would open your eyes. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, it's a reference to Satan, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Satan loves to blind unbelievers. Blindness is one of his favorite weapons, and uh, he's, he's really good at it. If I go off my feelings of what Satan is like, here's what I think, and I used to, I've spoken at camp a few times, and here's what I used to think. It's very, very likely that some of you here are not yet believers. Um, you're not followers of Christ. You don't believe in him. And that's pretty common for when you're at camp. And I used to think if I just had good enough illustrations, if I was funny enough, if I was unique enough, if I said something just right, all of a sudden, click, the light bulb would go on and you would be saved because I had opened your eyes. But the Bible tells me here that Satan has blinded your eyes. I'm no match for Satan. God's got to open your eyes. God's got to make it true for you to see where you are currently at. And that's what every one of us who's a believer, that's what had, had to happen to us, is God had to open our eyes and help us to see our darkness. And if you're unsure where a friend you brought to camp is at, or your friend back home, humble yourself, call out to God, and ask him to open your eyes. But a second way that Satan blinds, uh, he blinds unbelievers to pray for open eyes, but he also blinds us in another way. One of the ways is by desensitizing us to evil. And the demonic has become a movie market. And I've never been into horror movies. If you're into horror movies, please don't cheer right now. It's just not super helpful. Uh, but if you're into horror movies, okay, uh, it pains me, though, to see how many horror movies are coming out. Uh, if you go to Redbox, it's like horror, 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 horror movies. Years ago, The Exorcism used to be a massive movie, and then it was Paranormal Activity 1 through 25, or however many thousand renditions of that movie they made. And then it was Chainsaw Massacre. And then soon we had Annabella, or Annabella, a perfectly lovable doll who is completely wicked and twisted and crazy. And then they came out and ruined clowns, thanks It. There's a, tea, there's a, movie, a couple of movies of the It rendition with that little red balloon and then the actual creepers that were walking around in the state in the clown outfit with the red balloon. So they ruined clowns, but they don't stop. I still remember being in college when Unfriended came out. It's about a girl who's on Facebook. She gets bullied, bullied to killing herself um, like on Facebook Live. And then what happens is she, she calls the friends who bullied her and, and murders them in awful and horrendous ways. And she haunts them. And some of you have probably seen some of these movies. There's also um, the movie Ouija. And adults, you need to understand, you can buy a Ouija board at Target. I remember walking through Target with my wife, and it's like you can buy a Ouija board in the game section. There's a movie called Ouija that came out. And I personally know a believer, big tough guy. And he, uh, he, he was one time in, a, in an area, he was not following the Lord. And he's like, hey... They got a Ouija board. I'm going to mess with it. See what it's like. He said, you could feel you weren't alone. And when the game began, he's like, I, I felt hands pushing me into the game, and there was no one behind me. Now, either we have to say that people just make that up, and it's really spooky, or there's actually a real enemy who hates your guts as a believer. And the Bible says we actually have a real enemy. I could go on. There's a new movie, Megan, which is coming out or has come out about an AI that's twisted to turn the movie um, into a horror movie where this girl who's supposed to protect someone else starts killing people like crazy. 
I even saw not too long ago, a movie came out called Pray for the Devil, P-R-E-Y, and it's about a nun who practices exorcisms only to be targeted by a devil. Guys, this is like in the last five years a lot of these movies have come out. We have a real enemy, and it's all over in the movies. This stuff is creepy, but we have to ask ourselves, is it biblical? And if Satan is so strong, what hope do we have? And that's where I love these verses. Check this out. Second, or Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He, being Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So if Satan is real, which I believe he is, God, Jesus Christ, is more powerful, and he has disarmed them. Here's another verse. Romans 8, 31. You probably have this memorized if you grew up in the church. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Tactic number one is that Satan uses blindness. Tactic number two is Satan loves lying. He uses lying, so value truth. He uses blindness to pray for open eyes. He loves lying, so value truth. Jump over with me to John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Satan loves lying. He's a master liar. He is very, very, very good at it. And he has thousands of years of experience. And that's where even it was, it was humbling to honestly admit that, like, I had believed a whole bunch of his lies, that he's not that involved, that he doesn't really care about me, that he's got bigger fish to fry. But John 8, verse 44, Jesus says, You're of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no, listen guys, there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. He loves lying. It is as natural for Satan to lie as it is for a fish to swim. And here, I'm going to throw these up here quickly for you. But this is from Jim Tillotson, and these are lies that Satan uses to kill your soul. Um, is if you believe there is a God, you get to go to heaven. If your good works outweigh your bad works, you get to go to heaven. If you are baptized as a baby, you get to go to heaven. As long as you have a belief or you're faithful to a church, you get to go to heaven. I just had my neighbor texting me this morning. He hates this weather, but he lives here, and it's like, it's kind of part of the weather. And he's complaining, but his... His total belief is, I believe in something. And I talk to people in our town. We have a super religious town. It's like, I believe in God. It's like, great. So do the demons. <laughs> like, demons believe in God. Often demons have better theology than we do. How many demons do you think you'll see in heaven? You can go ahead and answer that. How many demons do you think you'll see in heaven? Zero. It's not just about as long as you have a belief or you're faithful to a church. I talked to a guy uh, that he goes, my church is, uh, is right here. And what he meant by right here was he was sitting there fishing. <laughs> He's like, the, wood, the woods and the outdoors are my church. I'm like, that's not how it works. You can do it later. Uh, you've heard the gospel. Maybe you think I'll do it later after I try the world out a little bit. It's not worth it. It costs too much to be a Christian. And it does cost a lot to be a Christian. It really does. Um, you, you lose some friends. Uh, you, lose, you lose a lot of things. It's wonderful to be a Christian. But I'm too old to change. Hopefully too many of you aren't like that. 
Or I've always believed, and I've heard that one a ton. I've always believed. You always believed in what? Like since you were two, you believed? What do you believe in? These are lies that Satan tells, and he's really good at them. And he's lying to some of you. You're swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. He's telling you that there isn't a heaven, there isn't a hell, the Bible isn't true, the only way to real happiness is doing what you want. Or maybe he's lying to you and saying nobody loves you, you're a loser, you're ugly, you're not worthy of living. Maybe he's lying to you and you're hurting yourself. Maybe you're numbing yourself with hours of social media. That's become the new drug that we're so addicted to. Maybe with self-harm. But please, talk with your counselor. We love you. We'd love to help you. And I'll be up here after the service. If I appreciate how many of you guys have come up and just said, hey, uh, I appreciate the messages. Lots of you guys are going through a lot. I'll be up here after, and if you're interested in talking a little bit more, I'll be here for a little bit. But one of the things that he lies about, that's, and I've seen it affect a lot of people, is it comes in at depression. And depression right now is at an all-time high. Um, we have access to money, more money, more entertainment, more jobs. is at an all-time high, yet teens are killing themselves like crazy. And uh, it's, it's sad for me to see because many of them, literally, like, if they would talk to me, I'd be like, I barely know you and I love you. And there's life, there is life that you can live. And yeah, your life is hard. But there is still life outside of difficulties. But I think one of the reasons why there's so much depression is because Satan loves lying and so many of us are believing his lies. I know that depression is bigger than that. I know that it's more entangled in that, but one of the reasons is that we believe the lies of Satan. It says in scripture that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's got a lot of experience. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And guys, there is life through Jesus Christ. But one of the lies that he's really good at that tempts us to sin, and here's my definition of sin, sin is a lie wrapped in pleasure. Sin is a lie wrapped in pleasure. Whenever you sin, it's always because you want something, and uh, usually you're believing a lie that says it'll bring pleasure, it'll bring joy, or whatever it might be. Sin, though, shows you only the bait and not the hook. It shows you the rose and not the thorns. Pastor Tim Keller put it this way. He says, in temptation, he, being Satan, hides God's holiness and entices us to think too highly of ourselves. But in accusation, he hides God's love and prompts us to think too lowly of yourselves. And I've talked to some of you guys. If you've been in habitual sin, the sin promises so much joy. And it's going to feel so good. And it's going to be so great. And then you do it, and he's like, you're an awful person. How dare you? You must not be a Christian. What's wrong with you? And it's exactly what's happening. He's a liar. He's a liar, guys. Or there's just a force out there in the world that's not too great. You have to believe something, and you do believe something. That's why we learn and must believe and study the truth. And that's why I ask you guys, what are you believing is the truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, sanctify them through your truth. And my favorite author, Warren W. Wiersbe, says this. When I read my Bible, I think of two words, reality and relationship. I get a relationship with God, and I get what is actually real. What is reality? Third thing, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is that Satan opposes believers, so gear up for the battle. Satan opposes believers, so gear up for the battle. Several years ago, we had a uh, New Year's party at our house, and a guy came over, and he wasn't from our church, but his daughter like started coming to our youth group a little bit. He was going to another church, and 
he started cracking these jokes at this New Year party. We weren't drinking or anything, but he starts cracking these jokes that are like really off color for being around, like at a pastor's house. Like I know that we tell a lot of jokes and we'd be embarrassed if the jokes got re-said here, but he starts cracking these jokes that are just off color. I'm like, what in the world is going on? This is, this is a little bit weird, but I didn't really think anything of it until it all happened his wife caught him doing drugs, and he's the guy I told you about that was not just doing them, but he was selling them. He was making and selling meth, and then he'd go to church on Sunday, and he'd sit in the chair next to you. In fact, he'd even sell drugs to some of the guys in the church. And they were ones that had, like, I had to wake up to the reality of spiritual warfare by helping them. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord And by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of a bad force. Is that what it says? No, stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist, with righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the many flaming darts of the devil. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit and every prayer request. Stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this is why I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I would be bold enough to speak as I should. So later... That same guy, uh, the next year their life was horrible. He basically had depleted them financially because of his addiction. Long story short, he ended up going off to this Christian rehab center. His wife ended up being a single mom. She had to now get a job. And I remember bumping into her at Dollar General. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, I'm good. I'm like, really? I said, you know it's okay not to be okay, isn't it? And she's broke down. And she was miserable. And those next nine months, her kids battled with bitterness towards their dad, weren't sure that they wanted him to come back to the house because of what he'd done to them. But later, after, by God's grace, so here's the good side of the story, by God's grace, he repented, he turned from his sin, and today he's actually up in northern Minnesota, faithfully working, serving the Lord, and he started a, a new ministry to help reach and help those who are struggling with drug addiction, which is crazy in northern Minnesota. But his wife, him and his wife were talking to me right before they moved away from our church. And she said this. She said, whenever you're dealing with spiritual forces, you have to use the name of Jesus Christ. And it's just interesting. At the time, I just kind of brushed it off. But she's like, you have to go back to Jesus because he is the one that has the power. And she told me about one time when she was praying really hard and, and her husband, he was a believer already. And he was fighting inside the willingness to come clean about it. But he's driving on his way home. He knew that if he actually went home, he's going to get taken to prison. Or he had to go into recovery like right away by himself. So he's driving home. And he said, it's middle of the night. 
He looks in his rearview mirror, and there are eyes in the back of his seat. And there's no one else in the car. And he began yelling at whatever was there. It's like, get out of my car. And I remember him telling me that story. And uh, he had gotten so creeped out by that and a few other things that he literally, he started yelling. And he pulled his car over and he got out of the car. And he's just like, get out of my car, get out of my car. And I remember him telling me that. And I literally scoffed inside. Which is why I realized I didn't actually believe Satan was real. And so I tell you guys this because as you grow up in life, you're going you're gonna to come against things that you go, I, I have no clue where this came from. And maybe you have friends that are into the occult. Uh, Satanism is a lot more popular. Maybe you have friends. Maybe you have messed with uh, crystals. Maybe you messed with Ouija boards. It's not a joke. But the Bible tells us this one this wonderful thing. It says, therefore, be sober-minded. And that's what I'm hoping I communicate this weekend. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Warren Wiersbe again says, Nothing opens the door to defeat like overconfidence after the battle. The great testing usually follows great victories. We get to know God better during the battle, but we get to know ourselves better during the victory. So since Satan is real, I want you to think through a couple of questions. Number one, since Satan loves lies, will you resolve to be truthful? Will you resolve to be truthful? Uh, Jordan Peterson is, has become more popular recently. He's in a little bit of hot water, which is not surprising. But one of his rules is tell the truth or at least don't lie. And I love that. But I want you to honestly admit how often do you lie on any given day? Mom and dad, you come home, mom and dad say, hey, how are you doing? You say, Fine. Are you fine? Are you great? Are you good? We, we lie in so many different ways. But tell the truth. Since Satan loves lies, will you resolve to be truthful? Secondly, since Satan loves lies, will you honestly admit that you're believing what you are believing is true? Or so, let me put it this way. Since Satan loves lies, will you honestly admit that that's a typo? Can anyone admit that? <laughs> I want to just take that away here. Let's just pretend that wasn't there. What are you actually believing is truth? And is it possible it's one of Satan's lies? This weekend I've shared with you three truths that I didn't believe. Life is hard, God is involved, Satan is real. And as you head back this weekend, I hope you honestly um, answer what you're believing and will you believe, you do believe in something, so ask, where am I going and what's the trajectory of your life? I so appreciate you guys being here this weekend. It's been a privilege to get to speak to you. I'm going to pray for you as you head out, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, um, you are good, and you have worked here this weekend. And I pray that we'd wake up to the reality of Satan, that we have a real enemy. Give safety to everyone as they travel back. Thank you for them. And I pray that they would be more convinced or at least take time to wrestle through what they're believing that is actually true. Thank you so much for their attention. In Jesus' name, amen.